Well, it's really hard to, to sum up 10 years of ministry. Um, I was thinking about it the other day, and that's over 500 Sunday mornings. I mean, that is hard to fathom. <laughs> um, more than anything, it's hundreds of lives that have been ushered into the presence of God through worship and teaching and community, um, hundreds of volunteers that it's taken to pull it all off. Um, it's been an unbelievable journey. And this past Sunday night, we had the opportunity to gather kind of the founders of Wellspring, those that were kind of in the boat before there was a boat, so to speak. Um, And we got to have dinner and celebrate and appreciate them. And we shared stories of times when there were 60 people in the pews on Sunday morning, and we were running our worship off of an overhead projector on the stage. And um, it was much different than it is now. And my wife, Kristen, and I are extremely grateful uh, for just the encouragement and support that those guys were in those early days, especially just financially as we transitioned from young life to church planting. And so just as a way just to honor those folks, if, if you were one of our, our founding members, could you just please stand so people kind of know who you are and we can just recognize you and your kids too. Go ahead. Can we give those guys a round of applause? There was about 13 of us uh, originally, and um, yeah, it's crazy to see what God's done. Um, also, if you were here at our first service, October 1st, 2006, could you please stand and see if there's anybody that was actually here that day? Go ahead and stand up if you were here on our first service, besides our original folks. Kimball, nice, yes, the Powells, the Blakes, awesome, yeah, thank you guys, that's great. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of folks that, uh, you know, aren't here anymore. Maybe they've moved on or moved through St. Joe, but just tons of volunteers, people that have been on our staff, our board, financially invested in this ministry. I'm just very grateful today. Um, It was really humbling to watch the video, as I said before, to to see some of the people that, um, you know, have expressed how God used Wellspring um, and their ministry here to impact their lives. Um, And there are lots of different ways that people try to measure success in ministry or in church. There's very practical things you can do, like count the number of people that are there. Uh, You can count offerings. You can look at the number of of, uh, ministries or programs that the church has. You can look at the number of building expansions uh, that you've had over the years. But I like how the Apostle Paul puts it in Galatians 6.15. He says, what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. So Paul is saying, if you want to count something, count change lives. That's what really matters. And we know that that has happened for hundreds of people through Wellspring, hundreds of people even outside of our walls by young life leaders that have come in here and been encouraged and inspired and gone out and reached kids or folks that have gone out and coached their kids' teams or been involved in PTA or wherever it might be. We see the rippling impact of that. And as you can imagine, I spent a fair amount of time trying to figure out what am I going to say on our 10-year anniversary, right? And I'm sure a lot of pastors uh, have and will continue to kind of use a landmark event like this 
to maybe paint a vision for what the next 10 years of that church might look like, and they might do it with a slick PowerPoint presentation and maybe even a full-scale model of the new sanctuary you know, on the outskirts of town they're going to move into someday when, they're, when they've really arrived, or maybe some new ministries they want to start. But here's what God keeps bringing me back to, and it's a story that we we took a look at during our um, Way of Jesus series last school year, and it's from a message, I'm pretty sure the title was, of it was um, The Way of Clarity. And it's really two stories that happen back to back in Mark chapter 10, and both stories are centered around this question that Jesus asked people in the story where he says, what do you want me to do for you? So I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. It's page 921 in your pew Bibles. Mark chapter 10. And the first conversation that Jesus has is with two brothers, two of his disciples, James and John. And we're going to start in verse 35. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So when given the opportunity to ask Jesus for whatever they wanted, they said, in essence, We want the power. We want the prestige. We want the best seats in the house. We feel like we've earned it. Sounds a lot like American dream Christianity. Kind of this bigger and better, this path of upward mobility, right? We'll get back to that story in just a minute. The next scene we see takes place in the city of Jericho. And there, this blind man named Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. He's begging as Jesus and his disciples come walking by. And Bartimaeus begins crying out to Jesus to have mercy on him. And so just like in the previous story, Jesus looks at this man and asks him the exact same question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And in verse 51, the blind man replies, I want to see That's it. No other uh, change in his circumstances is requested. No status or power-driven motive. He just wanted his eyesight restored. That was enough. I want to see. And I think that there's a lot wrapped up in that request. Literal sight, yes, obviously, But I think he was also asking Jesus that he wanted to see with spiritual eyes as well. Jesus, I want to see the world, and I want to see people the way you do. I want to value what matters most to you. Do you know what I want for Wellspring for the next 10 years? Is I want us to see. I want us to see Jesus more clearly to know his heart and understand how much he loves people, that we would be better at that than we are now. I want us to see one another more clearly, 
how broken and fragile we can all be, how desperately we need community and love that we can only find in the body of Christ. But maybe more so than that, I want us to see how beautiful and powerful we all are because Christ is in us. I want us to see St. Joseph and the people in our neighborhood more clearly. Not as some project to finish or broken lives to fix, but the image of God to be loved and to be loved by. I want us to see. I believe in our mission and values as a church. They really haven't changed since the beginning. I just want us to to do them deeper and better than we do them now. We don't need a new vision for the next 10 years. We need to live and believe our current vision more deeply. So how do we get there? Well, two things really stand out to me from this past series that we just did uh, this summer in the book of First Peter that I think are kind of keys to help us on this path. The first is found in First Peter 4.8. It said this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And I'm inspired by that calling to love people deeply. And I, I, my hope for us is that we would be courageous, more courageous in forgiving other people, more courageous in bearing one another's burdens and entering into one another's stories, the, the pain and the joy and all that means, that we would be more courageous in how we call out the image of God in one another. I want us to be a church that sticks around. A church of people that hangs in there with one another. Even when it gets difficult and people are frustrating and you're mad and you're angry and you're bitter and all those things. That we would be a people. (laughs) That we would be a people that covers over one another's sins even when we don't feel like the other person deserves it. Knowing that there are going to be times when people are going to show grace and mercy to us when maybe we haven't really deserved it. Secondly, I, want, I was challenged by what Peter said in chapter 5, verse 5. He said this, he said, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So back to the story in Mark chapter 10. Jesus rebukes James and John for their selfish request. And he said to them, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. See, Jesus was humble, and he was a servant, and he laid his life down. So, two things, love deeply and walk humbly. Now, if you look at our, our slide here of our mission, our values, you can read them real quick and refresh your memory. Really, guys, as we move forward, I just want to do all those things well by loving people deeply and walking humbly. 
Whatever that means for our church in terms of numbers or buildings or programs or people or whatever that is, I think God will honor that. Because you see, Jesus bids us to come and die, to lay our life down. It's a path of downward mobility. It's a path that Jesus himself took. And if we could say 10 years from now that we are loving God, loving one another, loving our community more deeply, that we are a more humble people, that we see more clearly with our spiritual eyes, I think I'd call that a success. The Old Testament prophet Micah gives us such a great example of the posture of that, that, that idea, that spirit. He says this in Micah 6, 8. You've probably heard it before. He says, He has shown you, O, mor- o mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to lock, walk humbly with your God. To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And I think Wellspring would do well to just kind of stick to that script moving forward. But as somebody mentioned in the video, we're going to have an enemy that's going to oppose us, whose job it is to to infiltrate our ranks and destroy this church and uh, everything that we've put into building this community in 10 years. And so we need to be vigilant and alert, as we also just studied in 1 Peter, right? Knowing that there's an enemy that roars and prowls around looking to devour us. So as we close today for the message part of our time, I want to invite you into um, a, a posture with me this morning that basically shows with our bodies kind of what we just declared, at least I did, <laughs> with my mouth in terms of loving people deeply and walking humbly. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you, if you're willing, if you're, if you're like, you know, died in the wool wellspring and like this is your church home and, and you, the people here, you love and care about and you believe in what we're doing. I want to invite you and if you're physically able to get up out of your seats and to go into the, the edges, the middle, the front, the back, wherever we can find some carpeted space. And we're just all going to get down on our knees together and we're going to grab the hands of the people next to us and I'm just going to lead you all in prayer and uh, we're going to finish up our message time with that. So if that's you and you want to join us, go ahead and find a place of carpet that you can join us.